Take your Bible this morning and turn the book of Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. If you see somebody come in and sit in that second pew, uh, you guys grab that quick because I don't want them getting my candy bars. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter number 5. Thank you for being in Sunday school this morning. Uh, I am so glad that you are here and glad that we have our young people here as well. And what I want to give you today is, uh, well, what I'm going to give you this morning, I want to build on some tonight. And so you make sure that you come back tonight and uh, you will be glad that you did, I'm sure. But if you found Ephesians chapter 5, if you're able to stand easily, would you stand with me as we read the Word of God this morning? Ephesians chapter 5. And I'm going to begin reading in verse number 1. It says, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this ye know, that no whoremonger nor unclean person nor covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them, for ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord, walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth proving what is acceptable unto the Lord, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret, but all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light, for whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the good day that you've given to us this morning. Thank you for an opportunity to be in your house and look into your word. And Lord, we pray that we would do so today with open hearts and open minds and allow you to speak to us. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus name. Amen. You may be seated. Now, uh, this is uh, this is October already, isn't it? This is October. So we are coming down toward the end of the year. So if you were a little behind on your schedule for Bible reading, we just caught you up this morning. Amen? Uh, 21 verses in a row, and that's more than some of us have read in a long time. I mean, 21 verses in a row. Now, you, you, you were probably wondering as we were going through there, when is he going to stop? Because that's what we do. You know, we read three, four verses, we stop, and, and then we go. But uh, the reason I read 21 verses this morning is because I want to focus on verse uh, verse number 19, except that verse number 19 is not, it's not a verse that stands alone all by itself. 
It has a context. And all too often we get used to familiar verses and we know the verse and we hear the verse and and we forget that there's a context in which that verse appears. I like to I like to say it this way God doesn't tweet. And neither do you if you have a life, most likely. But God doesn't tweet. What we like today is is to take things and boil them down to little short statements and then put them out there and show everybody how smart and clever we are. God doesn't do that. When God gave His revelation to mankind, He didn't do it in little pithy sound bites. Instead, He did it in long form. Really long form. I mean, it's long. And you look at some of the sentences of the Apostle Paul in the epistles, and we're talking long. Amen? And you look right here. Uh, the reason we read all of these is so that we could see the context of the passage. The passage is not solely about music. The, the passage is about your whole life as a child of God from the time you get saved. Look at verse number 1. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. I submit to you this morning that the subject matter of the whole chapter, whether you're looking at verse number 19 or you're looking at verse number 8 or you're looking at verse number 10, the subject matter of the whole chapter really is verse number 1. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. And then it goes on and and expands on why that's important and how it affects your life. Uh, I'm convinced, Brother Mitchell, that our biggest problem in modern day Christianity, and by that I mean all that's going on and, and everything from uh, real solid Bible believing Christians to those in the party churches and all the rest who would claim that they're Christians. The biggest problems are that we don't really want to be followers of God. We want to do our own thing, whatever that is, whatever we like and whatever we want, and we want to do that, and then we ask God to bless it and get involved in it. That's exactly the wrong way to go about your Christian life. Instead, it ought to be, God, I want to follow you. Show me what's pleasing to you. Show me what's honoring to you, and that's what I'll do. Not, I like this, so now you make it work. And you bless it, and you and you work through it. No, no, no. Uh, God, you show me. Being a follower of God, genuinely, in your heart and in your life, will clear up an awful lot of questions for you. It really will. You go down through this passage, and, and you notice he said, Be ye followers of God as dear children. And, and that's just simply sincerely and, and without guile. Just, just following. Not having to know the answer all the time, not having to know where you're going all the time, not having to know how it's all going to work out, but still just willing to follow. You know, when you say to your children, follow me, and you're going through a wicked place like Walmart or something, and you say, just follow me, what you're saying is, if you'll stay near me, everything will be all right. Have you ever gone through one of those places and had a kid wander away, and you turn around and they're gone? We were in a Best Buy. I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a gadget junkie. I, I like electronic toys and gadgets, and I don't know how to work many of them, but I want them anyway. That's just, that's, you know. So it was about, I was around Christmas time, and we're going through Best Buy because my wife was humoring me. We had already gone to Hobby Lobby, and I had to clear that out of my brain. So we went to Best Buy, 
And, and, and we're walking through there and, and Hope and David were with us and they were not very big. David was short at that point. He's now, he's now just, don't tell him I said this. He's a hair taller than I am. And I'm not admitting that yet because it's traumatic for me. He's 16 and he's a hair taller than me. And, and I tell him it's because his hair still poofs up and mine doesn't. Mine, you know, mine's pretty much right there at skull level and, and what's left is just laying low. But, but he was short back then and, and you know, you couldn't see him over an aisle. And Best Buy has these fairly high, uh, you know, aisles and things up on the shelves. And, and we were going through there. It was Christmas time and there were people everywhere. So it was, it was a full store. And all of a sudden, we turned around. We had gone down around the corner to look at something. And, and we turned around, and David was gone, and my wife just got frantic. And she was, she was about to have a meltdown right there in the Best Buy. And, and she started calling David, and, and then he came running around the corner with this scared look on his face like he'd done something wrong. And, and, and we got all reunited, and, and she said, we, we, all, we almost lost him. Do you know what kind of people shop in Best Buy? Wicked people trying to buy computers to look at evil things? And I said, people, people like us shop at Best Buy. But we needed him to stay close because there were a lot of people in there and you don't want him to get lost and you don't want him to get taken away by some wicked person or whatever it was. And so you want them to follow you. And that's exactly what God wants from us. Just follow him and stay close and it'll keep you safe from a lot of stuff that's ruined in a lot of lives all around you. And you go down a little further. Look at verse number eight. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. You see, you can be a follower of God now because you're a new creature in Christ. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. You were darkness, but now you're light in the Lord. And I, I find it interesting. They didn't say you were in the darkness, but now you're in the light. Notice he said ye were darkness. It's not just that you happened to get over here in the dark and didn't find your way. No, no, you were darkness. You were, you were wicked and sinful. You were darkness. You, you trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior and something miraculous happened. You didn't just change direction. You didn't just change your mind about a few things. You didn't just give up some bad habits and take on some good ones. No, you became something completely different than you were before. You went from being darkness to being light in the Lord. And he says, because of that, now act like it. That You won't hear that much in, in a lot of churches. Because they tell you God doesn't care how you act, except that he does. If you were darkness and now you're light, now you should quit acting like darkness. You should quit looking like darkness. You should quit listening to the stuff of the darkness. You should quit following darkness because your light in the Lord now act like it. Then look at verse number 10. Proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. Isn't that something? Did you know that you as a child of God can determine what is acceptable to God and what is not? By the way, if there are things that are acceptable to the Lord, would you agree with me that there have to be things that are unacceptable to the Lord. I mean, that's just, 
That's the truth. If there are things that are acceptable, that means not everything is. And not only that, we can figure out the difference. Isn't that something? That's amazing. Most folks don't know you can figure out the difference. But you can. Look down a little further. We'll just skip through for the sake of time here. Look, if you would, at verse 17. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. You can know the will of the Lord in your life. Our problem when we talk about the will of the Lord is that many times we relegate it to some pretty big events. You know, who, what's God's will as far as who I marry, uh, where I, what kind of uh, career I take, uh, where I go to church, uh, what uh, am I going to go to college? Uh, I need to know the will of God. Am I going to be a? Am I going to be in the ministry? Am I going to be a pastor? Am I going to be a missionary? Am I going to be an evangelist? I need to know the will of God. That's not really what it's talking about here, even though that's included in this. This is not talking about the big major events that we think of when we think about the will of God. Those are important. However, what it's talking about here is just every day in your Christian life, knowing if something is the will of God or not the will of God. Would God have me to do that or would God not have me to do that? And the problem is trying to figure out how to... Discern the difference. Is it acceptable to God? Is it the will of God for me to do today? So how do you do that? Well, he said, well, I'll just do whatever the preacher tells me. Well, that's nice. Uh, And and you got a good preacher, so he's not going to lead you sideways on all that. But what if you get some bozo in here who tells you something that's not right? What are you going to do then? Just whatever the preacher tells you? You better go just a little deeper than that. If you've only been saved for a month, just do what the preacher tells you. But listen, most folks in here have been saved a little longer than that. You have. And after you've been saved a little while, and after you've spent a little time in the Word of God, and gotten to know God a little bit, and gotten to know yourself a little bit, you should be able to determine the will of God. Because look what it says. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. You see, it's not some scary, mystical thing that only certain people know. God says, if you don't know it, you're just unwise. You should know it. You should know what the will of the Lord is. So it's got to be more than, I'm just going to do what the preacher says. So, well, I'll just, you know, whatever our church's official position, that's what I'll do. Well, what if you leave here and you go to a different church and they have a different official position on something? What do you do then? You just change it wherever you go? I mean, that's a miserable way to live. You better have something more solid than that. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna find a verse in the Bible that talks about that thing. Now that's always good. Except that there's not a verse for everything. There's not a specific, I like things that have a specific black and white verse, you know. That's why the Ten Commandments are great. You know, lying. You don't have to you don't have to pray about whether or not you should lie. I mean, if you're doing that, <laughs> you need to go back to being a follower of God in verse one. Amen? You should know better than that. If God's already said don't do this, well then that's just a simple matter of obedience, right? Then you just don't do it. And if God says do this, again, simple matter of obedience, you just do it. 
But what if it's an area God doesn't specifically talk about? And there are plenty of those in our lives. Really more than you probably realize, there are a lot of areas that God doesn't give us a clear-cut specific thing and say, do this, don't do this, do it this way, don't do it that way. Then, then does that mean that God doesn't care and I can do whatever I want? That's what a lot of people think. If God doesn't specifically talk about it, I actually heard, I heard on the news this, this guy who claims to be, <laughs> claims to be a preacher and he was talking about abortion and, and how, how awful it is that the Supreme Court overturned Roe versus Wade and all that. Listen, that's the best thing the Supreme Court has done in, in a long, long time right there. And he was saying, well, Jesus never talked about abortion. So it's just a matter of what you want to do. Well, that's a dumb way to live right there. And that's not a man who knows anything about God or the Word of God or following God. I promise you that. He wouldn't know God. If God slapped him in the face, he wouldn't know God. And yet, good people sitting in good churches make decisions like that all the time. Well, God didn't say, I can't do that. So it must be okay. You need to have something more than than God didn't say, I can't do that. So what do you do if there's not a specific verse in the Bible? Well, really it's not that complicated. You have to find Bible principles that apply and then apply them. And when you apply the Bible principles, if the thing you want to do or the thing you'd like to do or the thing you're thinking about doesn't fall within the boundaries of those Bible principles, if, now we're going to go back to verse 1 in Ephesians 5, if you genuinely want to be a follower of God and you come across something in your life that doesn't fit within the boundaries of Bible principle, then the only reasonable thing to do is put that thing out of your life. Would you agree? I mean, if we're going to be followers of God and we're going to submit ourselves to the principles in the Word of God, then if something in my life doesn't line up with those principles, then I should put it out of my life. That is just understanding the will of the Lord. That's how you understand the will of the Lord. Does it fit within Bible principles? And listen, if you live that way, you'll get so you can figure it out pretty quickly, pretty easily. You'll see it and say, that doesn't, that doesn't fit not going to do that. Well, if I do that, will I, will I lose my salvation? No, that's a whole different subject. When, listen, once you're genuinely saved, you couldn't lose your salvation if you wanted to. But you still ought to live to please and honor God. Just the fact that I'm not going to lose my salvation is not a free pass to live like an animal. That's not pleasing to God, and that's not a good testimony to the lost world. It's just the opposite. So I ought to go back to being a follower of God and submitting myself to Bible principle. And in that context, we get to verse 18. Look at verse 18. Now I had to read verses 18, 19, 20, and 21 earlier because it's all one sentence. I told you some of those sentences that the Apostle Paul wrote were long sentences. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Now this is in the same context as being followers of God, uh, proving what is acceptable to the Lord, and understanding the will of God. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Same context, same subject matter, 
It's just another direction to look at it from. Verse 20, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Now, if you have a, if you have a study Bible, a reference Bible, I have an old Schofield reference Bible, and each of those verses, after verse 17, it says the walk and warfare of the believer is filled with the Spirit. After verse 18, it says the inner life of the Spirit-filled believer. After verse 20, it says the married life of Spirit-filled believers is illustrating Christ in the church. And it almost gives you the impression that these are separate subjects that are being covered. But anybody who knows anything about our language knows that if it's all in one sentence, it's all about the same thing. Amen? You don't change subjects in midstream in a sentence, and God didn't do that. He didn't do that. It's all one subject, and it's about being filled with the Spirit, and it's about being followers of God, and it's about proving what is acceptable, and it's about understanding the will of the Lord. And in the middle of all that, he tells us in verse 19, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. What is that? Well, it is direction from God. It's pleasing to God when we do that. But it's also a natural outgrowth of being a follower of God and being filled with the Spirit of God. A follower of God filled with the Spirit of God is going to be speaking to themselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and singing and making melody in their heart to the Lord. They're going to do it. They can't help it. It's just the way it works. That's why when they show up for church and the singing begins, they jump in and they sing. You say, well, well, I don't. I just stand there and listen. Well, let me smile at you and say, shame on you. <laughs> you ought to jump in and sing. That's your opportunity where that song that's been in your heart all week long, it just gets to bubble on out and, and nobody can hear you anyway. So just beller it on out there, amen? It'll be all right. And if somebody gives you a dirty look, just slide over a little so they don't disturb them so bad. And sing, amen? Just sing. Just let her fly. You guys, you, you by, listen, young people ought to sing and sing loud because it's good for you. It is. It helps you. It helps your heart, it helps your confidence, and you know what else it helps? It helps old people. When they see you just rear back and sing to the Lord, amen? Old people like that, they do. Because they look at you, and now you guys not listen, I'm talking to them. They like that because they see you and they think, our church is in good hands. There's young people who love the Lord, and they're just going to keep serving the Lord. So think of old people once in a while, amen, and be nice to them. Sing for them. How many of you sing? (laughs) I was kind of half-hearted. You didn't see what he did. He pulled his hand out from under his Bible and went, well, just keep it up and drag them in there with you, amen? Do it, do it. It's good. So with that in mind, I want to I want to just cover a few things with you, Bible principles this morning that apply to music, because unfortunately, music is an area where, although basically what I've already told you this morning, we know we live according to Bible principle and and we want to be followers of God. And if we're following him, we can determine what is acceptable and what is the will of the Lord. That's not, that's not groundbreaking territory for you, I'm sure. The problem is, when it comes to music, 
we take it out from under Bible principle and we set it over here in its own category and say, but I like this. Now, remember, when it comes to music, it's not about what you like. It's not. It is not about what you... Music is not a separate category in your life where Bible principles don't apply. It applies just like it does everywhere else. And so when you remove it and make it a matter of preference, then it becomes extremely confusing. It gets confusing. It gets divisive. It gets ugly because we're just not willing to submit it to Bible principle. And if we would it could clear a lot of things up for us. And so in Sunday school this morning, in, in I wasted way too much time in introduction, but that's why we're going to do it again tonight, amen? Because the introduction will be over and we can just jump in deep, amen? Let me just, let me just give you some, some simple little principles that will help you. And I know everybody has their preferences. They do. And there's nothing wrong with that. Listen, everything... Your preference can very well fit within the principles that are in the Word of God as long as you're careful and you make sure that it genuinely fits. If it doesn't genuinely fit, listen, if it fits, you're going to be left with everything from three hillbillies with a banjo to a beautiful choir in their robes and the, and the big orchestra behind it and all the rest. And you see, those things are very different. How can they all fit? As long as they fit within the principles in the Word of God then just enjoy. Amen? Enjoy and relax and let the music be a blessing and encouragement and a help to your heart. And that's what God intended it for. So with that in mind, first one is this. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. If you don't go any further and it's the only one you get, it'll help you with a whole lot. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 30, uh, 31 says, Whether therefore ye eat or drink, or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Now that's, uh, would you agree with me, that's a general Bible principle? He does say whether ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. And so that ought to be our main focus in everything in our life. We should ask the question, does it glorify God? Or does it glorify someone or something other than God? Or does it even have the potential to glorify God? And if it doesn't have the potential to glorify God, well, then it's a simple uh, yes or no proposition. Well, I'm supposed to glorify God in everything. I want to be a follower of God. Therefore, this is not the will of God for me to engage in. I'm going to put that out of my life. Simple. But maybe it's something that could be used to glorify God or could be used to glorify something else. Well, then I have to make sure that when I use it, it glorifies God. And that's what we're talking about this morning with music. You can take music and glorify a lot of things other than God. If you look virtually at any of the music out in the world today, just whatever you want to look at, anything out there, it's glorifying everything and anything but God. And if you look at the at the popular music of today, uh, I mean, it's just so. Quite honestly, it's so vulgar, and and vile and disgusting that 
I remember when I was a kid, guys would stand up and read lyrics to songs and tell us what they meant, and it was shocking. Except that now you don't have to tell them what they mean. And you can't read them in, out loud in public. I mean, they're, uh, you can't even... Uh, you you can't even read them out loud, not because they're so vulgar and vile, which they are, but because they use words that I'm not allowed to say. I'm not sure why they can say them on the radio and on the when when you'd get fired for your job if you said them. Our world has gone upside down, and and. It all glorifies something other than God, and, and it's pagan, and it's heathen, and it's wicked, and it's vile. And I'll just be honest with you, if you're a Christian, and you are listening to the, the hip-hop, and the rap, and the, and the rock, and the stuff that's going on out there today, your heart is not right with God. I don't have to equivocate on that. I don't have to explain that. If you're if you're concerned that I would say such a horrible thing, just go write out the lyrics for your favorite song and read them tonight in church in front of everybody. I'm telling you, if that's what you're listening to, if that's what you're doing, your heart's not right with God, and your problem can, needs to be solved in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. You've got to get back there and decide you want to be a follower of God. But in our realm, where the problem normally comes in, is that Christians feel free to use all kinds of music in their worship of God. And you can find everything, everything that's out there in the world, you can find an identical copy of it in the so-called Christian realm. It's out there. And and some of the most vile and and degenerate music they take and and today they're not even very good about putting explicitly Christian lyrics to it. Now it's so generic and so pathetic that most of the time you couldn't honestly tell if it was Christian or not. It might have a slightly religious sound or feel, but but you would never know what that religion was or what God they're talking about or, or, or anything else. And they use that in their worship of God. That's where our problem comes in today. What should we use that honors and glorifies God? Well, if it's going to glorify God, then it needs to be pretty specific about who He is. Amen? It shouldn't be so generic that, that the Mormon could enjoy it and the Catholic could enjoy it and the, and the, Muslim could enjoy it and the on and on down the line. It ought to be specific enough so that we know what God we're talking about and what Jesus we're talking about. Amen? It ought to be pretty specific if it's really going to glorify God. Otherwise, it's just generic religious stuff that's tossed up in the air and that's a waste of time and energy. It needs to glorify God. Does it glorify Him or does it glorify the world? Does it glorify flesh? Does it glorify sin? If it glorifies anything other than God, then I should be honest and just put it out of my life. I should just get rid of it. Not because it's going to make me lose my salvation. Or No, no, no. That is not the issue. That's a whole different issue. I want to please God and be a follower of God 
And so if it doesn't fit within that huge umbrella of can it glorify God, then I need to be honest enough to get it out of there. I just need to get rid of it. Here's the second one. It should direct my thoughts toward godliness. Philippians chapter 4, verse number 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Now, if God says, I'm supposed to think about things that are true and honest and just and pure and lovely and good report, if the music I'm listening to puts thoughts in my mind that are not pure and honest and true and just and lovely, then it doesn't fall within the boundaries of the Bible principle, does it? All of a sudden it's outside because it's making me think about things God says I'm not supposed to think about. If all I'm listening to is telling me about, and there's a lot today of songs about depression and suicide and and all the rest. If that's what I'm listening to all the time, I'm listening to things that God says don't even think about. Therefore, does it make sense that I could justify that and have that in my life and, and be listening? No, that doesn't make sense at all. That doesn't fit within God's direction for my life. And if I want to be a follower of God, then I need to put that out of my life. That, that, that doesn't make me special. That just makes me want to be a follower of God. Amen? Oh, but, but somebody else listens to that. That's not our standard. It's not. My standard is not what you listen to or what you listen to or what you... No, no, no. My standard is the Word of God. And if it doesn't fall within the boundaries of that standard, then it doesn't matter what you do. I hope you do right, but, but it doesn't matter what you do. I have to do what's right before God. And that means I'm going to have to put that out of my life. I'm just going to have to put it out. Now, there are some things that, that affect people differently, different people different ways. I had a pastor when I was just a kid growing up. We had several folks that played instruments in the church. You know, some band instruments and trumpets and clarinets and the piano and the organ. And, and everybody who played something played. Except the one girl who played the saxophone, uh, he wouldn't let her play because he believed saxophones were of the devil. Now, <laughs> the reason he believed saxophones were of the devil was because when he got saved, he got saved out of a life spent in, in lounges and bars where the saxophone was played a lot in jazz music, and he just felt like you could not play a saxophone for the glory of God, and so they were not allowed, and he should have done that with the clarinets because they just squawked all the time. I'd have booted them out first. Amen. Now, uh, 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 Quite honestly, saxophones are not of the devil, okay? But you can understand how somebody who came out of that background and that life would be put off when they see a saxophone in church playing a song. And so if it's going to... Now, we'll get into this tonight, but let me just give you a preview. If it's going to cause a problem for him when I do that then I should not do that. Did you get that? I don't have the right to do that. So, oh, but I'm free in Christ. Not free, and we'll look at it in the Scripture, not free to cause my brother to stumble. 
I'm not free to do that. I'm free to serve God and live for God. I'm free to do all that. But I'm not free to throw up a stumbling block in his path that's going to hurt him. Not free to do that. And so we sometimes have to curtail our freedom just for the encouragement and the help of others. That's not legalism. That's not being under bondage to some... No, that's following the Word of God and being a follower of God and understanding what the will of the Lord is. Might I go out and listen to Henry plays the saxophone hymns in my car? Sure, I might do that, because he's not going to be affected by that. But I'm sure not going to do it up here where it's going to affect him. Do you see what I'm saying? It needs to help me think about things that are true and right and pure and just, and I don't want to be the one that causes him to think about things that are not true and right and just and pure. Because if I do that, I'm working against what God wants to do in his life. I don't want to do that. That's not my place. It should direct our thoughts toward godliness. Let me give you a third one, and we probably won't be able to get beyond that this morning. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. I already talked to you about it. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. That's not just a, a great verse. That's a Bible principle. That lets me know that when I got saved, I became something new. I became a new creature in Christ. I went from being darkness to being light in the Lord. I'm not what I used to be. Now that ought to be reflected on the outside. It ought to be reflected. And if something has truly been transformed, it really will. Now I understand when you get, when you get saved as a, as a child in church and you grow up in church and and you spend your growing up years saved, uh, you're not going to see an outward physical change like somebody who got saved at 30 years old, you know, and, and they were a drunkard and they were a druggie and they were this and they were that. You're not going to see the outward change. But the inside still changes. It's still different. <coughs> we were up in Minnesota. And we got there uh, to the church and and... A lady came in the in the foyer where I was setting up stuff in the in the in the foyer, and she came in and she had been folding bulletins and she put the bulletins down on the table and introduced herself and we said hi and and we're talking and I smelled a smell I smelled smoke aha, we have a smoker here, a dirty vile smoker in the house of God. I know what I'm preaching on all week. <laughs> the curse of tobacco. Here it comes. And she wandered off, and the preacher came up, and he said, oh, you, you met so-and-so? I said, yeah, I met her. <laughs> he said, she's only been saved just a couple months, and she was in this, in this biker gang, and she wasn't just somebody who rode on the back of some, some goofball's Harley. No, no, she was, she was providing drugs for the, for the whole biker gang. I said, really? He said, oh yeah. And she got saved, and she's been in church, and she was folding bulletins last night. Suddenly, suddenly smoking seemed pretty good to me. You know, it's like, <laughs> praise God, she's smoking. Amen. <laughs> it's, it's kind of relative, you know, as to where you came from, as smoking is a, is a, it's a huge leap forward. Amen. 
Not that you want to stop there, but it's a good thing. Amen. So it changed my perspective. God made me feel a little bad about that. And then, and then that night she came to me. She said, my son's going to be in church tonight. Uh, he had to miss this morning. Uh, she said uh, he plays in a rock band and they were, they were playing late Saturday night. And so he had to sleep in this morning, but he's going to be here tonight and he's excited about being in church. And I thought, Oh, great. This is going to be wonderful, isn't it? And he showed up Sunday night. There he was. He came in Sunday night and long, beautiful hair down to about there. One of the most amazing ponytails I've ever seen in all my life. You ladies would be jealous. I was a little jealous. I thought, oh, great. This is, uh, I am going to get myself in trouble this week, and I'm going to split the church. She said, she said, uh, this is his last weekend to play in the rock band. I said, really? Why? She said, well, you know, he, he, he got saved. And he's been having Bible studies with the preacher. Every, every week they meet and they have coffee and they study the Bible. And, and she said, uh, he came to me last week and said, Mom, I think I shouldn't play in the rock band anymore. I said, uh, I, I got the preacher afterwards. I said, did you tell him he couldn't play in the rock band anymore? He said, no, I really I didn't. We were just studying the Bible. So, wow. You, you know what was happening? There had been a huge change on the inside. And now it was working out. The, the last, listen, that kid sat there every night taking notes on everything. And he'd come to me after the service and ask questions and say, I missed this reference. And what about this and that and the other thing? By the time the week was over, I was, I was saying, Lord, I wish I had a whole room full of this guy with his long ponytail down to there. Why? Well, because he just wanted to be a follower of God. Oh, he had a long way to go. But he's moving in the right direction. And that's a blessing. The last night we had bad spaghetti in the basement, because that was the will of God. Quite often it's the will of God to have bad spaghetti in the basement. They don't know why, it's just the way it is. And we're down there having bad spaghetti in the basement. And and my wife and I are sitting at this table, and the little lady comes in. She sat down at our table, and we're talking. And she said, you want to see a picture of my son? No. She said, well, he's not going to be here tonight, but I got a picture of him. You want to see a picture? (laughs) You know, if you want to show me a picture, all right, but I don't really need to. You know, I've seen him all week. And and she whips out her phone and she shows us this picture of this young man with his hair cut. This handsome young man. I said, what happened? She said, well, he came to me yesterday and he said, mom, I was reading in the Bible where it says it's a shame for a man to have long hair. And he said, I think I have long hair. And so I probably should get it cut. What do you think? She said, well, I guess that would be the right thing to do. And he went and got it cut. Now, that's not the way that's supposed to happen. You see, what's supposed to happen is you come in with long hair and we hit you over the head three times with the Bible and we haul you out back and chop it off with a butcher knife and then you get right with God. Except that <laughs> eventually you end up on the uh, IFB cult survivors website and, and then you make us look bad, you know. You, you know. you know how it really works well and lasts? When you see in the Bible what God says and you say, I just want to follow God. She said, don't tell the preacher he hasn't seen this yet. He'll see it Sunday when he comes to church.
I wish I'd been a fly on the wall that day just so I could watch the kid walk into church, you know? You know what was happening? He had gotten saved, and he became a new creature in Christ. And because he was a new creature, it started to show on the outside. Should that not happen with our music as well? I mean, if before I get saved, I'm listening to death and destruction and suicide and uh, on and on and, uh, you know, getting drunk and kicking your wife and beating the dog and on and on and uh, whatever style you like. Does it not make sense that after I become a new creature, that what I want to hear is something different? I want to hear something that's not like that because that's not what I am anymore. That's not who I am anymore. And it ought to be reflected in my music.